Welcome to the Being Well podcast. I'm Jan Orman. In this podcast series, we invite people we know and admire to tell us their stories. These are people who may not have hit the headlines, but whose stories are just as worthy of our attention as many of those you read and hear about in the media. They're people who have flourished despite, because of, or on the background of issues with their social and emotional well-being. We're hoping you'll find something in these stories to inspire you whatever your situation right now. Every now and again, we'll mention online resources. If you'd like to find out more about those resources, please head to the e-mental health in practice page of the Black Dog Institute website. There are issues discussed in these podcasts that some people might find distressing. If you do experience distress, please contact your usual support person or lifeline on 1311. I want to introduce you to Paula Kotowitz. Paula's an optimist and a vivacious woman in her early 50s. She's a mother of two teenage daughters, a former dancer and a mental health professional whose expertise is in prevention and treatment of eating disorders. These days, Paula is also a patient. When Paula's cancer was diagnosed, she was in her late 40s with a flourishing career. Her cancer was very advanced at diagnosis. Aggressive treatment over three years has not prevented the cancer from growing and spreading. As a mental health professional and a natural optimist, Paula has had a particular perspective in her approach to her illness. She's used her professional knowledge to help her through. Paula will tell you her story. Um, Okay, so my name is Paula Kotovich and I am 53 and I um, am a mental health therapist uh, living with cancer, with stage four cancer. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much me. Right now what I do is treatment and recovery that's about it (laughs) and plan holidays until a year ago I had a private practice in Sydney's eastern suburbs and really uh specialized in eating disorders and body image issues uh with with people and all their associated sort of comorbid um uh, illnesses that go with that so depression and anxiety and OCD and things like that. So, but a year ago, I had to close my business down because of, um, I had stage four cancer and it just became too difficult to have my business and have treatment. Yeah. So that's pretty much who I am. When I was doing my Bachelor of Applied Social Science um, and majoring in counselling, I was able to get into the Eating Disorders Foundation, which was this little tiny organisation, and it, it had always been something that had really interested me, which goes back all the way to when I was six, 16, 17. I was the second class ever to go through the WA Academy of Performing Arts in the dance department, majoring in ballet. And in the second year of college, um, 
basically an eating disorder went through my year group and um, the copycat thing, you know, reared its ugly head, the competition thing reared its ugly head and easily, you know, my class is only maybe 15 or 18 girls but out of them five or six developed an eating disorder literally within a couple of months. They all started to kind of get sick and injured and, you know, um, weren't doing so great. And one in particular uh, got very, very, very sick very, very fast. We literally had a two-week, you know, semester break or whatever and came back and she was completely anorexic in that time. She'd gone from being thin to just being, you know, very sick. And I remember quite quickly after that she was admitted to hospital and I went to see her and she was literally sitting there like a deer in the headlights with you know, no psychological help whatsoever. It was just nasogastric um, refeeding tube up her nose. And I remember walking out of that hospital, it was Princess Margaret Children's Hospital, and thinking, I cannot do that. I'm not doing that. And at that point, I had started dieting. I had started imitating all the behaviours that my friends were doing. It was like someone had just shown me my own future uh, because they were, you know, she was a couple of months ahead of me in all of this. So um, I just thought I am not doing that. And I actually, I'd left college at that point, you know, within a couple of weeks I think I'd left. So for many years I looked back and thought, wow, what a big fat waste of time that was. But then I seemed to really find my niche you know, was doing my bachelor degree and, and went into eating disorders, it sort of just seemed to come very instinctively. So February 2006, uh, sorry, 2016, I um, uh, was advised by my GP because I'd been having funny problems with my tummy uh, and we'd exhausted all other tests. Uh, so I was advised to have a colonoscopy, they found a uh, seven centimetre tumour in my colon and um, another tumour in my liver, uh, the same size, and seven centimetres is roughly the size of a tennis ball. So they were whoppers and um, so it was immediately stage four, which was a bit of a, um, well, it's been a high achiever. And, yeah, so straight away, I had to, you know, have a whopper of an operation to take out the colon tumour because, you know, my whole uh, bowel was obstructed. And a month later I had the liver take, liver, um, two-thirds of the liver removed and um, then started six months of chemo, which was, they call it a mop-up chemo which is it's like an insurance policy to hopefully catch any other uh little bits of you know cancer cells that might have floated off and you know be looking for trouble so uh and at the end of that I was deemed to be clear um but six months later it recurred uh I don't actually think it went away but it came back um this time it was always colon bowel cancer this time it um it was no longer in the colon but came back in the liver and lung and the peritoneal wall, which is like the lining of your abdomen. So, yeah, it's, and three years into it, 
I'm still kind of scratching my head trying to figure out what it all means and trying to make sense of it really. So it's um, it really is very confusing and, and messes with your head a lot. So, yeah, I, I, and especially because I was somebody who rarely got sick prior to this, so I sort of went from naught to like 50 million um, overnight, literally. chronic illness I'd never really realized how much it does affect your um, mental health uh, yeah I never really thought about it it's it's a strange thing to not think about because it's so obvious <laughs> but I guess you don't know what you don't know do you but when I what I've noticed is the connection to my physical health back to my mental health and, and emotional health and it and how hand in hand they go. And I find that um, at the start of this year, something really funny happened with my treatment. I, I missed, I had done 12 up until the end of last year and uh, I missed one because I'd done 12 and I'd needed a bit of a break and um, the one I missed fell on New Year's Day anyway so I had to miss one and uh, went back like two weeks later. So I literally missed one fortnight. And when I went back, something funny had happened with my actual chemo because uh, up until then, uh, this whole time, all my chemo had been five hours in the chair on a Monday each fortnight, followed by um, a takeaway little bottle that looks a bit like a baby's drink bottle, you know, a baby bottle. And that would um, diffuse into my body over the course of about 46 or eight hours. So I'd go back on the Wednesday and they would take this bottle that was now empty off me and um, that would be me for the next till the next Monday week. And so for some reason the takeaway bottle, instead of taking 46 hours to diffuse, was taking, I think, about 30 hours. So that was sort of, you know, diffusing two-thirds or a third quicker than it should have been and as a result I was horrendously sick and did that um, two times in a row so it meant that I was really sick for five four or five weeks and at that time my mental health was just getting pounded because I was just so sick and when I wasn't physically being sick I was just so nauseous I was sort of begging <laughs> talking to my dog and saying, why can't I be sick? Please let me be sick. And um, it it was just really hard work. And I, I found that, you know, by sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday of that chemo week, I'm still sick as a dog and I'm just, you know, quite beside myself in terms of depression and, well, super low mood. Um, and then I would notice that as soon as, the nausea and the vomiting sort of stopped or started to ebb off, immediately my mood would pick back up again. And um, and I sort of have this thing, uh, it's sort of like a bit of a gauge as to how I am, that um, as, soon as, as soon as I could manage it, I, and it's almost quite, um, uh, it, it, it's almost like a, a reflex thing that as soon as I can manage it, I'm just up shoes on, you know, 
cap on and I'm out walking the dog and even if it's just literally around the block but that's sort of my index as to oh I'm feeling a bit better and sometimes I, I go out the front and go oh yikes I'm I'm not quite there yet and I have to go back inside or I just might go to the end of this like literally three houses down to the corner and back yeah it was just it's just been a really interesting um thing to notice just how the mood would be so hand in glove with my physicality yeah but as soon as it start started to correct it kind of all would get tickety-boo but after about four or five weeks of that constant um sick sort of state that I was in I had had you know I was pretty much at the end of end of my end of the line with it and I remember saying to my ex-husband at the time like I cannot do this if this is how this has to be ongoing then I think you know I'm I'm getting to the point where I don't want treatment anymore because I can't do this and at that point he got off the phone called my oncologist it was a Saturday and made a time for us to go and speak to her about options um with treatment and what not having treatment would look like because I've never really not had treatment for this so we don't really you know know what that looks like but um it was was interesting uh to go through that and ever since then they changed my protocol around my chemo so uh, um yeah uh, I'm doing something different now because it was just yeah I'd had a gutful and I I didn't want to do it anymore and predominantly most of that was because of the mood the the psychological game was just kicking my backside if you like Um, it was just too hard to kind of pull myself out of that all the time Uh, before the diagnosis I don't think I really did experience um mental health uh you know illness um or mental illness rather um certainly you know low moods anxiety from time to time um certainly nothing that I'd ever been uh diagnosed with that's for sure that's not to say I I don't you know have stuff going on that's that's not to say that at all but um nothing I'd been diagnosed with and and actually, even now, I, you know, there's been nothing diagnosed, but it is, um, yeah, far more prevalent than I've ever um, experienced uh, issues around, you know, mood and sometimes anxiety, um, you know, anxiety about the future and my my illness and, you know, not wanting treatment and things like that and, and my girls and, um you know how this is all impacting on them so you know there's a there's a lot of worry and anxiety you know that goes along with all of this as well I have seen um a therapist <clears throat> the therapist at the cancer um clinic you know I saw her right after the cancer had recurred and that was almost yeah, that was almost harder than the original diagnosis, even though that was, you know, kind of hit me hit me for six. But the recurrence, you know, when, when you get re, um, a, a recurrent um, diagnosis for cancer and it's stage four, like it's, um, you know, it's, um, it, it's treatable, but I, I will never recover from it. You know, I won't recover from it at this point until they um, invent something. So it, 
that was almost um, that was almost harder in a way because yeah it, it, we we knew at that point it was incurable and that I did have this time frame. Last about twelve months later, I went to see um, my this other guy who my friend with a chronic illness put me onto, and he um, he also was very good at normalising just. You know, because because I was able to admit to him that sometimes when I was really really sick, you know, I would sort of feel that um, you know maybe I don't want to do this anymore, and maybe that's an option. And you know, you can't say well, you really can't say stuff like that um, out loud to those who love you because they tend to freak right out. So I um, I, I felt very um liberated in being able to say that to somebody and this particular guy was just he said I understand that he said um you know quiz quiz me a bit more about that as you rightfully should and um but but what that kind of when we fleshed that out what that was about was me feeling like I have no control anywhere in this and that even just kind of exploring that as a bit of a very um, outlying thought that you know is literally just that is me kind of exercising some level of control. Uh, but yeah, there, there 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 was great benefit, however, in in even just kind of being able to talk about that because it almost feels like we aren't allowed to talk about that, and that if you have cancer, you will just accept whatever treatment is for however long you need to do it to stay alive and at some point you know there's a very good chance that I'm not going to want to do that anymore and I think that should be okay. The things that that I I found that have helped me have been um, I, honestly I can't rate just getting up and getting out and walking highly enough. Um, I think that's been everything, and part of that is part of that is getting out of the house and um, you know the fresh air, the sun. But another huge part of that is I've really noticed this need for myself to connect somehow to kind of nature, whether that's just sitting down in the park or um, down at the water. There's there's this big park near me that is. It, honestly, you could be in the Blue Mountains. You know, it feels um, feels like you're a million miles away from the city, and it's you know it's kind of in Wallara. And and I've found that that's been really really helpful um, in my mental health, my well being, my sense of contentedness, um, co- connectedness to people um, has been really important. And it's funny because I used to say this to my clients all the time that you know got to write yourself notes and put them up to remind yourself to contact people when you start going down the rabbit hole, you know, and start feeling, you know, your low mood coming on. Um, And that's exactly the first thing you forget. It's the first thing that just kind of leaves your head is I have to connect to somebody or reach out. Um, It literally is the first thing that goes. It's bizarre. And I've really started looking after myself nutritionally. So for a long time I was... um, yeah, I was eating quite appallingly for a while there, but it that was literally just a result of um, 
only being able to eat, you know, however I could at the time. So it wasn't like I was choosing to be, you know, a rat bag. But um, I found that I found that just looking after myself better nutritionally and that sort of self-care um, that goes with that has been really positive as well. So all in all, I, I would have to say so much of my mental health is actually driven by how I look after myself physically. So, you know, the walking, the swimming, um, the eating well, the connectedness to others, the, all those sorts of things I've found to be really, really useful, like super, super important, not not just useful, really, really important. And, and I think part of my mood crashing when I am sick um, is, you know, probably 80% due to feeling so terrible, but 20% due to not being able to get out into the sunshine, walking, fresh air, um, you know, all of that. It, it, yeah, it, it, it sort of, it's become sort of my happy place uh, to be able to do that. And I'll sort of just do it quite subconsciously and I'll just be outside and go, oh, I must be feeling better. Um, and then even if it's like, I don't know that I am feeling a whole lot better, but I'm at least up and out. And that, yeah, that definitely impacts on my mood in a sort of double double whammy way because if I am too sick to be going out um, and I can't access sort of my happy things, then it, yeah, it's sort of like low mood squared. You know, I can't I can't kind of get out of it. But but that's where that the reassurance of my own lived experience with how this plays out helps because I know that I just have to wait. Um, you know, one more day, one more day, uh, and and it will all start to lift together simultaneously. The physical symptoms will abate and the mood will improve. And um, I, I, I can, you know, I know that to be true. And that is, I think that's a, actually a hugely important factor is to get to know your illness, whether it be a physical illness um, with, you know, associated mental health stuff or it's a, a, a mental illness um, you you need to know what you're dealing with and how it sort of shows up and how it works because then you can then you can predict it then you can get patterns happening around it and you can put in strategies if I wasn't sort of intuitively doing this stuff I think that could be handy to know um, if someone you know if, if you could go on online and and see this stuff uh, written, uh, and you weren't already doing that. I think it could be really helpful for for myself. I th- mm, just trying to think if I would have sought out support online, um, I, but definitely for for younger people, um, you know, so children or you know younger people related or friends of um, people with cancer for sure, because that you know that's such a great. Um, kind of arena for them to sort of immediately think of to go to whereas uh, you know I'm I'm sort of of that generation where I would sort of be thinking more face to face but certainly there got to be complementary medicines that can help with immunity and with recovery and with you know um, your overall health that could help so that that I felt would I've always felt would have been really helpful and potentially um, to have that available online in you know some sort of a either a chat format or a 
um, yeah, just like a really helpful website. My decision to close my practice and leave my workout at Parramatta, um, it had been two years of working and doing both of those things um, during during the surgeries, during all the chemo, literally when I was in hospital to have the big colon um, surgery, the first one, on the Monday the surgeon came in to talk to me and I said, I will be all right by Friday to go out to Parramatta and deliver my workshop though, won't I? (laughs) And he went, no, (laughs) no, sweetie, you won't. I went, oh. So, yeah, that sort of shows the level of delusion I was at at the time. But um, as soon as I could, I I was out there, uh, you know, probably in March um, and as soon as I had that operation, within 10 days I was down at my clinic, as soon as I could kind of sit in a chair, which was hard to do after they cut through all your abdominals. Um, but I worked throughout the whole thing and um, it wasn't until early 2018, so it had recurred already, I'd done another eight months or six months chemo, and then at the beginning of 2018, Um, my oncologist said to me, we're just going to have to do fortnightly treatment at this point for the foreseeable future, like really I can't see any other way around this. And I wasn't doing very well on that chemo. I was sick a lot and I just thought I can't do this. I can't spend one day in bed kind of I'm like a rickety little foal or, you know, Bambi trying to get up in time to get down to my clinic, you know, the following week. and so there was that sort of pressure that I had to be better, you know, or well enough. And I literally can remember sitting across, you know, a, you know, a few feet away from a client thinking, I think I'm going to be sick on you and thinking that's probably not good. <laughs> so I just decided this isn't really good for me. It's not really good for my clients and um, just decided that, yeah, it's and it was very, very, very hard to do. Um, but once I had done it, once I'd closed the bit, you know, set my date, moved out, uh, I took a break for 10 days and really, I really haven't missed it. You know, I miss the people. I haven't, yeah, I, f- I feel like I grieved for it in the lead up to closing it and, since then it was the right thing to do I think at the right time it it was quite gut-wrenching and and very much you know it it was more symbolic I think that wow this is not good but you know it's stage four cancer um my whole life and now treatment is weekly so that it's impossible to try and do anything other than have treatment um and recover from it that's that's basically what I do one of the things I find really helpful to do with, with the time um, when I'm not feeling yucky, I will book little trips away, um, you know, just a night here, a couple of nights here usually. It's usually two nights away, so up in the mountains, in the highlands, um, and I really, really, really enjoy getting out of town. So last year, uh, spur of the moment, I booked a couple of um, 
like a units, apartments on Rottnest Island and we, my daughters and I flew over to Perth where all my family are and we had 10 days in Rottnest. So all my family in Perth, my brother, sister, their kids, their kid, you know, I've got nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews and there's 25 of us over there and it was so great. So, um, yeah, so it's, I'm just sort of mindful of doing, you know, really lovely uh, things that, that um, are memories. If you've been listening to this podcast with interest and you or anyone you know is affected by the kinds of issues that Paula is talking about, you may also be interested to know that there is help online. From the second half of 2019, the experts at This Way Up are offering an online cognitive behavioural therapy course designed especially for people who've recently been diagnosed with cancer and are struggling with depression and anxiety arising from that diagnosis. You can find this program amongst the many excellent programs offered by the people at This Way Up on their website at thiswayup.org.au. Thank you for listening. If there's been anything in this podcast that you've found distressing, don't forget to contact your usual support person or you can call Lifeline on 131114. And if you'd like to hear more in the Being Well podcast series, you can find it on the Black Dog Institute website.